Welcome to this special bonus episode of Girls on Film, a podcast edition of our panel event from the BFI's Women with a Movie Camera Summit, powered by Jaguar. In partnership with the BFI, we assembled a panel of expert women from every corner of the film industry to talk about the future of their fields post-pandemic. We ask what the pandemic has revealed about how the industry works, what changes we've made to help us cope, and how we can hold on to some of those innovations to improve the industry in the long term, especially for women. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? I'm Anna Smith, and I'll be joined by Alison Gardner, CEO of Glasgow Film, Claire Vaughan, lead programmer of Cardiff's multi-art form venue Chapter, and filmmaker, writer and disability advocate Kyla Harris. In a second conversation, filmmaker and Luxor director Zaina Dara drops by, along with Eve Gabarro, the CEO of the film's female-led distributor, Modern Films. The video panel is coming to our Patreon page and the BFI's YouTube channel soon. But until then, enjoy this podcast version. Alison Gardner, Claire Vaughan and Kyla Harris, welcome to you all. Thank you. Thank you. Let me ask you all individually first to tell the audience a little bit more about yourselves and what you do. So Kyla, let's come to you first. So I'm a filmmaker, activist and writer. I'm currently writing a TV series for Channel 4 with Rough Cut TV. And um, I also do a lot of activism around including disabled people in the film industry. Fantastic. Claire? Yeah, um, my name's Claire Vaughan. I'm the um, programme manager at uh, Chapter Arts Centre in Cardiff. So, uh, yeah, so we're cross arts, so we've got lots of different things, but uh, I look after the film bit. And Alison? Uh, I'm Alison Gardner, the CEO of Glasgow Film, which encompasses Glasgow Film Theatre, Glasgow Film Festival, Glasgow Youth Film Festival, and a variety of outreach and education works. And we've all had quite a year or so of it. Um, so, we're here to kind of talk about in some ways, the kind of weird positives that have come out of a bad situation and to hopefully inspire the people watching about ways that we can all learn to adapt and cope. Um, I'm interested, Kyla, to speak to you about how your job has changed um, since the pandemic began and possibly any kind of positive things that you feel have come out of it. Well, I oddly, I feel like my career has kind of taken off. <laughs> it's Congrats. Yes, without being behind the camera or being on set or being, you know, being in front of the camera. So it's um, been surprisingly fantastic because what's happened is a lot of conversations around diversity. And while we still have a lot of conversations about diversity, disabled people are often left out of that conversation. And I think that there's been something about the pandemic and of course, because of Black Lives Matter and George Floyd's death and the spotlight now on diversity, um, I feel like that conversation is starting to bubble up and things are starting to change, um, which has meant a lot of writing for me, uh, a lot of uh, writing on a personal note um, for um, filmmaker, filmmakers with disabilities, which is Forward Doc. Um, uh, and that and we are a group of people who are all disabled, work in documentary and um, 
that includes also the Oscar-nominated uh, director Jim Lebrecht and uh, Lindsay Dryden, fantastic producer, and some other incredible people. I'm so glad to hear that things have done progress for you. We certainly felt that on the podcast that more people are taking an interest in diversity and representation. And that's definitely a silver lining and a, and a positive thing. Um, Claire, how have things evolved for you? I mean, it must you must have faced a lot of challenges um, this past year or so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really odd. I mean, I, I was furloughed at first and uh, I kind of channeled my anxiety into doing a project called Reframe Film. So I was kind of like... Because uh, I feel like you can't work for anybody, so you can't do anything official for your, for your workplace, which is really, really strange position to be in. So I was just like, so I just wanted to watch films all the time. So I just kind of started communicating with my audience that way, essentially. So we started watching films um, a few times a week. And um, when I look back on it, I think that, that's crazy, like three or four times a week. I was sort of organising these online events and it was it, it was quite a lot of work actually thinking about it. But at the time it was just like just head down and sort of a way of coping with it. But um, it was really again, it was really nice actually finding like a community online, um, people that I kind of knew already. I mean, like Alison, you know, uh, we, we sort of chatted a bit online. That, that was lovely. And um, sort of bird's eye view and replaying the frame all been brilliant, really supportive. And so, yeah, it was kind of although we were locked down, it was like, yeah, there was a community that, that came up. Um, I did a lot of events with the Women Over 50 Film Festival as well, and, and that was really nice. Um, having these sort of short films that I hadn't found myself before. So like finding all this stuff to watch and then also kind of trying, trying to deal with the fact that like, all oh, right, okay, we're gonna have to make the, this space safe for our audience when we come back. So that was the, obviously a huge other challenge and, um, and then sort of what do people wanna watch, all that kind of thing. And it's obviously it's kind of climbed down a little bit now, but it's, um, yeah, they still think just when you think things are going to be settled and, and, and they're different. And so, yeah, so it's it's all of that. It's all the same sort of thing that I'm sure Alison's going through as well. Yes, no doubt. Alison, tell us what a roller coaster ride you've been on. Well, um, I started as a CEO on the 1st of April 2020. Woohoo! Woo <laughs> uh, so really exciting. Um, I think there's lots of positives around the, how we engage with our audiences, how we do equalities and diversity, take stuff online. So we've learned a lot about that. But um, I wasn't furloughed because I, I stayed on to, to work and I furloughed some of my staff, but not all of them, because we had Glasgow Film Festival to deliver, uh, which was uh, plan A through to Z uh, in various forms. But also as well, thinking about the health and well-being of our staff and our audiences, I think has really come to the fore. I'm really proud of the fact that we paid all of our staff 100% of their wages the whole time. I'm really proud of the fact that we looked after our front of house staff and paid them uh, a little bit extra based on overtime that they'd earned previously. We are a living wage employer. So I'm really spending quite a lot of time looking at that fair working practices to see if I can get my head around that and, and try and make sure that we do that as best as we possibly can. Uh, we delivered a very successful Glasgow Film Festival. In fact, so successful, it completely took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it. I think we hit that sort of pinnacle of people are feeling hopeful about the vaccine, but there's no cinemas open. So we had a lot of new films. We just hit that really sweet spot, which you can never replicate those serendipitous external forces ever again. So that was really great. And we had such lovely feedback from audiences, uh, great sales, for example. So um, yeah, I people keep saying well it was online I keep saying I'm not apologizing for success shut up it's great <laughs> we did a great thing so just live with that 
Well, congrats for that. We really enjoyed working with you at Glasgow Film Festival. Um, it's interesting, yeah, you talk about online and obviously everything that we're all discussing involves being online a lot more than we probably all used to be. Um, I'd like to ask each of you, actually, what kind of skills have you learned this past year? And perhaps some of the teams that you also work with have learned, which you think actually will be really helpful for their work, particularly in the film industry in the future. Uh, Kyla, let me come to you first. Skills, I feel like I've learned a lot of emotional skills. I know that right. sounds kind of weird, but I think that there's something that's happened that we've all become a bit more, maybe it's because we're looking into each other's homes a bit more through Zoom, by Zoom that there's just more of an understanding of what it means to be human. And um, I think that helps the film industry because it's such, it's such a capitalist industry and it's all about production, 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 you know, working minimum 12 hour days. And, um, and I feel like we're starting to have conversations around alternatives to that. And that um, I've learned to not apologize for my body because we all have a body, why should we apologize for it? So if I'm a little late to a meeting or if I don't get something on, on time um, because I'm unwell, um, I, I think that those are the conversations that we need to start having more of and, and make and kind of normalize. Claire, tell me more about skills. It could be technical, it could be emotional as Kylie was just saying. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting actually. I think we've, we've um, there has been a lot of that. I mean, I was sort of finding my feet a little bit as a programmer, as a, as a sort of program manager. And when I, when it when it all hit, we'd uh, I'd sort of been appointed at sort of tail end of 20, 2018. So I, you know, you kind of have this thing. It's like, oh, I, am I supposed to be like this? Am I supposed to be like that? And it, it's actually the pandemic kind of reminded me, like, what I love is audiences, and I love talking to audiences. And obviously, not being able to talk to audiences is a strange time to sort of have that realization. <laughs> um, but it was that sort of moment of like, no, this is what I love this is why I do the job. I do the job because I like reaching people. I like to talk to people about, about our experiences in the cinema and the themes in the cinema. Um, obviously I've learned some really boring things as well about air circulation, which I never expected to have to know. <laughs> but, but all of that is really strange, you know, sort of like suddenly have reading up on like, you know, how, how things move, you know, germs move around. It's like, never thought I'd have to think about any of that. But the, um, yeah, the thing that will really, really stay with me is has been um, just thinking about all, the pe all people's different experiences that we, in our audience, and like, kind of had that already, I sort of had that in mind, I thought, but then actually really considering it, considering the people that weren't already coming, and so I'm great, I can, I can enjoy this event with you now, because it's, I don't have to try and get to the cinema itself as a venue. Um, so that was really a real revelation for me, I think, and definitely something I'm keeping with me. So you've been able to be more inclusive and, and mm. that's... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Can. I mean, there's, there's always going to be challenges. I mean, like um, doing online events, you know, um, obviously it was all free. The majority of things we did were free and uh, obviously there's no price barring things like that. People still got to have the internet though. So realising people who, friends of mine who I just presumed had great internet connect connections didn't have and, and people who, who didn't want to do Zoom talks and things like that. It's just really being very hyper aware of, of different people's experiences and and... and um if some friends who I just okay that's going to have to be a friendship on the phone rather than on zoom and things like that so it's it's really being very aware that everybody's got individual needs that's the sort of thing that I'm going to be really taking with me I think I like that I've had the same thing was where you, you learn things about people that you've known for 20 years and you just go okay so actually you're not comfortable talking on a camera or you'd rather do a phone or you'd rather write text first and it's it's about that sort of understanding and compassion isn't it yeah and Alison um what would you like to add to this part of the discussion um I think 
learning the and learning about listening to your staff and 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 I'm a great believer and Claire's heard this umpteen times but people not profit is the way I'm trying to drive the business it's really important to me um I think in terms of you know CEO salaries not being five times what the lowest paid person is I mean I bang on about this all the time um I think I've learned that we should never have a man in charge of fucking anything Boris go <laughs> <laughs> now, sorry, you've just made a right arse of it. We need somebody, we need Nicola in charge down there. I've realised that our countries are very different in their approaches to um, uh, the health of their citizens. So I think those things are really important. Um, and also it has been a big learning curve about being uh, the CEO, trying to make sure that the organisation is both stable but welcoming, considering those people who haven't been able to come, looking at the health and well-being of people uh, who are in the staff and the audience and all those things are collectively um, there and you're spinning a lot of plates but I've also learned to listen a lot but I don't listen to myself enough still at my great age of 58 I'm still not listening so I'm doing all these things but I'm not giving myself any time you know to myself so I think that's something and, to look at. and I always you know I always like to put my lipstick on before a zoom just makes me feel better it's about self-care and it's something that we mostly as women, don't do enough of. Self-care and lipstick, I'm all over that. Um, and, and it's interesting, you, you bring up women, of course, this is women with a movie camera and also girls on film. So let's talk a little bit about particularly how women in the industry have been affected by the pandemic. Do you think, and this is open to anyone who wants to answer, do you think there are specific issues which affect us differently? Yes, I read a couple of interesting articles um, about women who don't come back to the office, for example, may further down the line find themselves not in the same position, they haven't had the chats with the boss, they're not having those moments where they talk to their colleagues, they're at home, when they're at home they're still cleaning the kitchen floor, they're still doing all those things in between times when they're working, they're doing the bulk of the childcare, so actually working from home whilst in theory is a good idea, it's not always beneficial to all women. And I think we have to be careful about that because everybody at first was like, woohoo, working from home. But actually you tend to work longer if you're working from home. And I think that's for me is not a necessarily a good thing. And we need to look at all the mechanisms that make women's lives better. Hey, you're nodding. Would you like to add something to that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it has been really stark in terms of people who seem to have spare time and people that don't. <laughs> and even even during, during furlough and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I, th I think that's really important. It's, I mean, one of the things that's, that's been really worrying for me as well is it's been the films that have been released during lockdown. As much as we did want things released online and it's been really helpful um, in, in many cases, but it did seem... To us, uh, uh, there was a certain point of, of time when it was just like, oh, all these films can be released. These are these are lesser films. These are films by women, and it, you know, it was, um, and that was really worrying to me because it's like there was a lot of them that I was really looking forward to seeing in the cinema, and we were waiting for in the cinema to for you know women filmmakers to have their moment where they have their big events and their you know their huge audiences and things like that. And so it's it, I was really worried about that. But then like you know we've opened we opened really well with Nomadland and uh, and First Cow did really well and things like that. So you know it's it seems to be that although there's there was there's a big sort of you know um big backlog of films being released at the moment and it's sort of trying to keep up with it as a, as a program trying to make sure audience see everything but it's still that um you know 
people are excited about seeing uh, films by women in, in, uh, in the cinema now, which didn't seem to necessarily be the way before the pandemic. It's only been, I say only been uh, just over a year, but it seems that it real has been a shift in that in that time period, it seems. So, so that's been kind of like worrying, but then actually hopeful at the end. So it's so exciting isn't it I mean it, it does seem to have been uh, we've been spoiled for choice on girls on film this past year with wonderful female filmmakers to feature and it's just like but yeah and the main thing is to keep sustaining it but that's so wonderful to hear that they're you're packing out people with Nomadland and First Cloud to amazing films and Kyla do you want to speak a bit more about gender and, and how that sort of plays into this you know activism and such that you do yeah absolutely I really agree um with both Claire and Alison but you know, Alison mentioned the kind of inequality, and I think that's really been um, highlighted in terms, absolutely in terms of childcare, but also in terms of the disproportionate number of women that are care providers. And that's um, both impacted my life personally and professionally. I require 24 hour care because I'm a wheelchair user. Um, and I um, had a really difficult time um, with my personal assistance at the very beginning of the pandemic, knowing whether I'd have care, um, not knowing whether I should go back to Canada where I'm originally from and my family is to see if, if they needed to provide care for me that I wasn't going to get here. Um, and of course that not only being um, a woman but being a disabled woman was something that not everyone was having to deal with. Um, and so I feel like, um, yeah, again, uh, inequality was was just really highlighted. But I did end up shooting a film with um, one of my uh, collaborators, Lou McNamara, and she and I uh, shot a documentary slash reality TV hybrid where she came down to Brighton from London to learn how to do my care in a seven day period, which is kind of unheard of. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, at this point, I wouldn't be able to be left alone with Lou. Lou doesn't know how to help me with anything. And so I wouldn't be able to pee. I wouldn't be able to get in and out of bed. Um, it would be a matter of survival. I think for Lou to do my care effectively in a way that's like positive for both of us, I think she's going to have to learn how to be vulnerable. We, we did a lot of research into um, into how many women are carers uh, and also how many women of color are carers and, um, and people who are, who are immigrants as well. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. Um, and I think that that's also why we haven't had these CEO roles uh, as filmmakers and as people working in, you know, as female directors as well. Um, and I just feel like the, the pandemic really did highlight that inequality, but in a way highlighting it meant that we could also address it. Mm. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, my, my husband um, is a carer as well. He, that's what he does for his job. And it's, just, it's not valued in the sense that, that it's just not valued. And he, he really loves his job and is very passionate about it, but it's not valued by those people um, who are making the decisions and that can't possibly be right. So how do we change that inequality? And then, you know, I, I'm great, I'm lucky I'm the CEO, but I came from a working class background, you know, so I, my father worked in the shipyards, my mother worked in a chicken factory. And so sometimes when I'm at meetings with CEOs with a lot of old white guys, you know, I am the anomaly, which is why 
as I said earlier, I'm quite happy to speak my mind and speak uh-huh. the truth. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting that you that you said that in terms of class as well, because that's a massive thing, too, that that factors into care. There's an incredible book called The Politics of Care. Um, the It has something to do with interdependence. Oh, The Care Manifesto, The Politics of Interdependence. That's what it calls. And it really looks at not just self-care, but collective care, because we shouldn't have to rely on ourselves, the individual to look after ourselves because that's also within a capitalist system. You know, it's kind of like, take care of yourself so you can work harder. <laughs> Whereas it should be, you know, the, 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 the man in charge, let's get Nicola Sturgeon down here, absolutely. So <laughs> that we can hopefully, we can hopefully kind of readdress some of those inequalities. Kyla, come the revolution. I'm right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all together on that one. a long time. No, so, and, and you're right. We, we need to change those dynamics. We need to, to make sure that we are looking out for other people uh, all the time. We need to start with our community. And cinema is a community. That's a really important thing that we, we need to understand, especially clear cinema and my cinema. We are hubs. We're neighborhood cinemas that care for their local community as well as having like the international facing thing with the festival. But we work with our deaf and deafened audiences. We work with them, neurodiverse people. These are really important and we are important to them and therefore we should be valued. And it's not about the Bond film. It's about these audiences that come to love and care about our venues, our programs and their own communities that they are within. It's all interdependent. So it's, it's not about the Bond film. I like that. I wish I could tell that some, some of the, I'm always being asked to go on TV talk about Bond. I'm like, there are other news stories about film guys. <laughs> um, but I'm um, listening, we, we're running out of time with you with this lovely panel. But to wrap up, I wanted to start with asking actually Claire, what advice would you give to give people who work in cinema and are trying to keep afloat and trying to keep audiences in there? What advice would you give them to kind of forging ahead and learning from what, what you've learned? in the pandemic um just trusting your audience trusting your community you know like Alison said I mean it's it's we, we had uh, you know the, there was moments where it's like okay is this going to be a you know all, all the big films are going to be really hard to get hold of with streamers are putting things on you know that the streamers are sort of getting prominence and things like that and it's like you know what just just think about what your community needs and uh listen to them Go and talk to them. Go and talk to your audience. It's the, it's the biggest thing I can I can tell to any say to anybody. It's the most important thing is just to chat to the people coming to see the films and and also you know just program di- uh, do a diverse program, be as inclusive as you can because that pays off in the in the in the long term. So that's the most important thing I think. Brilliant. And Kylie, I mean you've made a film in the pandemic. What have you learned that you could pass on to any potential women with movie cameras watching now? Oh, well, I think I'd say that, you know, in our industry, we're able to, to make the change from the ground up. And that um, even if you're on a small production, make sure that you are um, having open conversations with people about um, their requirements and um, how people, how everyone can co- accommodate each other because we are all interdependent. And you ha- if you have an accessible set, in so many ways, then that also impacts not just disabled people, but you know everyone working on the set, and encourages a, a communication and community. Fantastic, Alison. Parting words from you. Words of advice. 
Um, I would agree with uh, Kyla and Claire. I think it's all about um, co-creation. Um, we have a saying, nothing for us without us, so that when we're doing events, looking at various equalities, we involve the community so that we're listening to what they want before we start designing stuff and dropping it down on them. So listen to what people are saying, as Claire said, talk to people, have open and clear and communication about, because you can't do all things for everyone. It's just not possible. So be clear about what you can offer, what you can help, what steps you can take, and that move it along at baby step pace, you know, and make sure that you're doing this right and then wrap that right. And don't pick up and drop people. Don't do projects, don't box tick. I hate box ticking. Don't do that. Live with those people in your cinema. You know, you need to listen to what they're saying. Wonderful. Well, it's been an absolute thrill listening to the three of you today. Thank you so much. Um, congratulations for everything you've achieved in the past couple of years. Amazing. And for inspiring the viewers. And thank you all for watching. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be here. Now joining the panel, I'm very pleased to say we have Eve Gabro from Modern Films and Luxor director Zaina Dara. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having Thanks. us. Bye. It is so lovely to see you both because we're talking about some of the positives that have come out of working together as women and men during the pandemic this past year. And I know the two of you have worked together a lot. Um, Eve, would you like to start with, uh, you know, I'd like to start with you and sort of ask, can you describe what you've been working on since it all hit? We've been, uh, yeah, trying to figure out how to release films theatrically without cinemas. So we've been working a lot in virtual cinema and partnering with um, different organizations to get films to people, new, new films with press uh, coverage around them flowing and, and still managing to keep a theatrical feel alive. So we've been working on the films that we had already acquired, but then we also acquired some films, new films um, under lockdown through either viewing them um, online or through the festivals that have popped up here and there <laughs> within the pandemic. So um, we've been pretty busy. We're still really Yeah, I thought. I feel like you guys have really thrived and you've also had a great initiative where people have been able to watch films on your site and then make a donation to their local cinema, which is wonderful. Yeah, now we have a, a partnership with bookshop.org as well, where we put book tie-in with films and film tie-ins with books and then half goes to independent bookshops and half goes to independent film. So it's, it's evolving into, into more of this sharing. Amazon and iTunes, we love them and they can have their share later on. But in the sort of early stages of release, it's nice to keep it a bit more indie. That's fantastic. I love that supportive community-driven vibe. Now, Zena, we've had you on Girls on Film, of course, before, like Eve, talking about your film Luxor. So I know that this has been an interesting year for you. Would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about releasing a film during this time, during this very strange time? Well, I really think that everything was down to Eve and how she... <laughs> So we had so much fun brainstorming. We looked at all our contacts. We were like, okay, how do we do this? How can we tie in with this? What can we make happen with the limited resources of like basically cinemas being closed and and um, and how can we um, how can we basically give the film the best chance it has? Hey. Hannah. What are you doing here? Um, I can't believe you're here. Yeah. Um, are we just on a date? 
You're on a dig? No, I'm not on a dig, sorry. I'm on a dig. No, you're on a dig. I'm always on a dig. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm on leave. I'm on leave. I didn't think you'd be here. I'll come and find you at your hotel. Where are you staying? At the Winter Palace. Now, what's interesting is obviously my film is being released in France on July 21st. And these poor guys did like a big spend on at Christmas time to release my film. And then, and they did all the screenings and then the regulations changed. And what was really interesting is that even me, um, and now, you know, it's coming out July 21st and obviously there's it's still press and stuff, but even me, because we were so involved together and in how we were gonna do it, I feel like we managed to somehow really brainstorm about what when we would go how would we would go you know and so we didn't leave ourselves so exposed we still got like a week's uh, theatrical didn't we Eve at the curzon uh, yeah so in the middle of it so when they opened up in the middle of was it was it December they suddenly opened up and then closed again was your birthday so my birthday was when we had the premiere but then everything closed down and then towards I think December there was one week where cinemas were open again, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we managed, yeah, that way. So I think it's really interesting if you, if you work, I think what I'm trying to say is I think that directors should be given the chance to work really closely with their distributors because you can then use all your resources, you know, together. And I think that's what we did really nicely. And it was thanks to Eve who really let me into the process and we had, we had actually, I really miss Eve because I, I spoke to her seven times a day and now like, you know, it's like once a week. So yeah, so it, um, yeah, it was really Eve's. No, I was going to say that too. You know, I saw the film in January, 2020, and then we picked it up somehow during lockdown a few months later. And then I met Zaina on Zoom and on phone calls. And then we met a few times when we were allowed. And yeah, we've become very friendly as a result, which is a nice thing when it comes, when you see eye to eye. But we, yeah, we were able to together sort of pool our, our resources and I think ideas to, to, to bring other people to it and elevate the film, I think, beyond it being released during the pandemic, which is so many films we've got labeled as that um, uh, rather than waiting as well. I know in the US it came out around the same time as us um, and France waited because they, they had to in different options. So it's nice that the UK audiences and the industry itself gave us some options. Well, it feels like a, a, a major reunion here for me as well, because of course I was lucky enough, I was lucky enough to host your premiere um, and, and, and have you on stage with your wonderful cinematographer. And it really, gosh, that felt like a magic event, didn't it? In, in a difficult year to actually be on stage with an audience, you know, distance masks and everything. But that magic of cinema certainly really struck me at that event. Um, and I know the audiences really felt it as well um, did you either of you had any, any reactions to just being back in the cinema at that point I, I mean for me it was just so nice that people got to see it on the big screen because it's such an arc uh, it's like an architectural film as well and I think when you have movies with these buildings that mean so much it's a shame that you you need to see them on the I mean I'm happy if people want to watch it on an iPhone but you know it's nice when they get to sit there and it's um, they're immersed. And then it's also this kind of communal thing, right? You have the premise always like the people that made it, your friends, family, the whole team all together. And then we're just other people you don't know. And it's just a nice, it's a nice vibe. So yeah, we, we 
I, I miss that. I hope that my next film will be able to actually have a you know, theatrical that's long. Fingers tightly crossed. Um, Eve, you are a female-led company at Modern Films. Um, how did the women working together cope during the pandemic? And did you learn any kind of new skills or learn from each other about, you know, things that you're going to take on, for, you know, for, sort of forever, really? Um, yeah, I think the way we organise uh, communications and time has changed a lot. So we had to adopt a lot of online tools. So maybe it made us slightly more disciplined in that way. You know, when you're in an office together, you talk a lot. Um, and in ways, lots of things happen when you're talking a lot and being together uh, that we, I miss incredibly that dynamic side of it. But it did, you know, did help us put some, some more structure in place. And I do have quite a lot of young staff, which is fantastic, but I, I feel for them not young, but younger stuff, um, that they, uh, it's, it's been hard, I think, just to not have that interaction every day and that Zoom is a sort of communication. So it's been a lot just trying to make it interesting or everyone understands their role, they know how to, who to talk to, how to, and the films are dynamic and they all have different partnerships. So that's been quite exciting. And yeah, even on, on Luxor, we had a BIFA nomination for Andrea and we did a BAFTA campaign and it was a lot of different, um, partners like the British Fashion Council and Somerset House and Freeze and we did lots of really interesting partnerships that I think kept the team motivated to feel like they were part of this physical world even if it was was virtual so that's it has been tricky as a as a business owner to keep everyone at that level your staff always do seem genuinely really happy to be doing what they're doing. So I think you're doing something right. There was something to deal with. Um, Zena, have you been filming lately? Um, and have you been filming during the pandemic? No, I haven't. I um, literally got so into trying to get the film out that that took so much time. And then I've just finished my new film. So I finished the script two days ago. Before I got the same. So I'm very excited. And my agent just called me and said she liked it. So. Hey. She, she loved it so that's like woohoo um and I'm just waiting for feedback and then I think yeah hopefully we'll go um we'll go pretty um soon I think yeah that sounds very exciting I'm glad to hear about that now of course this past year um Eve and I in particular have been doing a bit of podcasting together and you've joined Girls on Film a few times um and it seems to me that it's actually been a weirdly good time to have a podcast this is another silver lining you know a lot of people have been engaging with audio and also talking more about representation and diversity um have you even your experiences of your own listening or you know when you've got the time in your busy schedule do you find yourself engaging more with different things sort of post-pandemic well I guess there's things that didn't exist before like zoom Q&A's and yeah. online events related to, to film so there's that and Personally, sure. I mean, podcasts. I, it is hard to find time for podcasts. I find once you build them into into your life, or when you're going for a walk, or when you're just instead of listening to the radio, it's been. I think audio is, is a, yeah, it's become a visual medium in a way through the pandemic because everything is so intensely um, on and focused. Um, yeah. On. It's, it, it's interesting because a lot of people were sort of saying as well that, you know, maybe it's film critics were going to struggle, you know, the critics circle, a lot of people were worried for their careers. But actually, I think a lot of people have been engaging so much with film at home that people have been really hungry for that kind of knowledge, even though we've all been watching things at screeners and desperate to get back to the cinema at places like Cannes, where even I are at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, Zaina, you mentioned the big screen yourself earlier. Um, 
how important is it for you as a filmmaker to have that experience of people actually seeing what you've done on the big screen with a lot of other people, particularly in the room? I think it's really important. I, I think that um, there's something really wonderful and communal about watching a film with a group of people, especially if it's a good film. I mean, if it's a bad film, it can be really funny because people can say funny things and whatever. But but when it's when it's a good film, um, it's almost like everyone sort of connects in the room. I mean, it sounds so utopian. I mean, also I'm in Ibiza as well, so I'm going to sound super hippy dippy. But it is it is that vibe where you know you're there and like drama. Everyone's in, in, you know, it's washed the drama that washes over everyone, and you're also involved. And and I think it's a really wonderful feeling to go to the cinema to see a great film. And and uh, I I really hope that I think I have a feeling that that cinemas are still going to be around precisely because of that, you know, because after you know after a while, also I look at my children and and it's just so you know how we had to wait for programs and wait for films and you know and and now they're just so like let's go on to the next thing you know and and I feel um that I feel that maybe there'll be a I hope there'll be some kind of a reaction to that and that people will actually want to go and see things more in, in kind of in person in a place as a, like an outing to go somewhere that's interesting so it, it becomes maybe people have realized the value of it when they've been denied it yeah, I think, I think that's really true. Because don't you get overwhelmed? You sit on, you know, all these, it's great. These streaming sites are great because they've made so many filmmakers that couldn't get films done before. Like it's another platform. It's a great platform. And I'm not saying that the two are mutually, you, you can, they, they can live together, you know, but, yeah. but the, side by side. But the point is that it is nice to go to a cinema where you know that they choose really nice films that you'll like, you know? When I say nice, I'm not, I don't mean like happy ending, but I mean like, you know, good for cinema that good. I'm gonna really like, yeah. you know? And and then, and then um, and I think that's important, but at the same time, these cinemas also sometimes can't afford to show really edgy films. So that's where the streamers also can really give, or online really gives that kind of platform. Um, those films a chance on that platform. So I think, I think, yeah, I think it's a really interesting time, but I don't, I, I do want cinemas to continue to exist. There's nothing better than leaving a movie, you know, and so you go to the movie at night and you come out and like, it's like, it's a great feeling if it's a good movie. Eve, is there anything else that you think it has changed radically in the film industry that's going to stay change um, for the better in, in a weird way after all this? Well, I definitely think the hybrid nature of releasing online and in cinemas should stay but with this focus on theatricality and that first window and still a kind of special time to watch it special meaning like it's it's dedicated to the sort of theatrical but on that more democratizing side that people can go to the cinema if they have the time if there's one nearby playing a film they want to see and they have, have the resources to do it but if they don't there are some other options and i think that that is very exciting because sometimes you can become very urban focus, but it's easy to see anything anytime whenever you want. And that's not the case for, for everyone. So if that if that can be more inclusive, I think it's great. But you know, there is a danger that the cinema then just becomes maybe blockbusters and so they're just trying to find that balance, I guess. But I I, I do think the hybrid model uh, is good. So you know we have a lot of people in the audience who are young filmmakers just starting out. Do you have any particular advice for them? especially as women and also as people who are filming in a time when you know possibly uncertain and but we have possibly learned some lessons from the conflict and the pandemic um, no i think i think it's just really important um 
it depends where you're making films from. If you're in England, um, you've got to just see, I didn't start out in England for specific reasons. Um, and I think that you really have to, if you have a voice, you have to really believe in what you have to say and make sure that other people and their outlook is not shaping what you're saying, especially if you're someone like me, who's from a mixed background, who was born here, because people, only you are gonna get, you know, what you're trying to say. And then you might be lucky enough to find people along the way who can guide you and help you, but you really need them as allies. It's very, you know, when I when I started, because in America, it's very different, um, the way, because I went to NYU grad film and I started there and I, and it's a, it's kind of like, there's there's some, you know, obviously it's a, it's a huge industry there. So there's a bit for everyone, but because of that, there's, there's space for people to be like, no, this is really how I, I'm an indie filmmaker. This is how I want to make it. But because everything's so institutionally funded in England, and, and, and Britain, you really, the, the gatekeepers are the ones that often um, might not really understand you, but don't be disheartened because, because the more you do it, the more your voice will be clear. And for example, the script that I just wrote now, my, you know, um, um, I, I, people have been reading it and I was like, oh, it's so you, it's totally, only you could have written this. It's so multi-layered, it comes from 50 different angles and only you could have done this. And yes, and I stuck at it for 20 years. And yes, only I could have made this movie. And it's not an arrogant thing to say, it's just that there are not many people of my makeup who are making films and who are women from this, that, and, and everyone's special. So you just have to, you in, in the sense of like, everyone has their stories and their thing and just don't try, just be, it sounds like you be you, no, but you know what I mean? It's like, just do what you're trying to do, keep keep at it and try and find it. There's so many sad stories I've heard when a friend who's brilliant has made a bad film, like what happened? Like, well, you know, to get the money, they told me I had to do this. And I'm like, well, that, I mean, couldn't you have found a way to get the money where maybe you made it for less money or maybe you know, just, there's ways of doing it. I made my neck, my this film that you just saw for practically nothing. And that was a deliberate move because I wanted the freedom to be able to do what I wanted to do. And this is not arrogant. It's it's not like, oh, I know, it's just about me protecting my vision and making sure that I can make it. And so sometimes maybe just do films for less, you know? And nowadays there's just, everyone's so lucky because, you know, I, I remember I learned to edit on like a steam back, right? You know, there's like, you know, when you cut the film and you and you lost a piece, you'd be looking at it on the floor. Like now you have like all the, everything's digital. You can like edit on the tube practically, you know, everyone's eight-year-old kids are like making movies. I mean, it's just, it's a different world. And yes, there's a quality control issue, but also at the same time, it's pretty amazing that everyone can make a movie. So don't be disheartened by, you know, by those around you. If you really know what you're doing and you'll have that feeling in your gut, I'm doing a sermon now, but yeah, I really believe that. It's a motivational <laughs> seminar. I love it. <laughs> well, that just made me think too, Anna, in relation to your question, what Dana was just saying. So we were able to uh, release Zayna's first film, the Imperial, or not first film, but a uh, film from 10 years ago, The Imperialists Are Still Alive, but um, and it wasn't released in the UK for whatever reason it was in the US. And so we were able to then get the masters over. That was tricky in itself. And, um, and have it available as a double bill and then in uh, on its own and then have it available digitally, which I think, you know, we might not have been able to do that in another world. We can obviously, you know, we release things, but, but we were able to tie it in very quickly too to the... Yeah, Eve, yeah. Eve was amazing because basically she understood that like there was like more than just the film, that there was all the stuff that hadn't been used that we could use to promote the film. And there's nothing better than seeing like a double bill of both the films together 
and people sort of can join the dots, you know, and then understand that there's like someone who's, it's, it's, it was very clever. Javier. So you're French? I was born in Paris, but my father is Jordanian Lebanese and my mother is Bosnian Palestinian. Wow. And you? I'm Mexican. Pure Mexican. Hey guys, I found a dude with a limo will take us to St. Nick's. Come on. I'm a friend of Mr. Tang's. They're all with me. I hope this place doesn't get discovered, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's getting all crowded. I really loved, because it's girls, we're talking about girls, I really, really loved working with Eve because her feminist stance is just, it just permeates everything she does. You know, so sensitive, so present. It was literally like, I know, I was like, I'm going to cry now. I'm going to cry now, Zayna. It's true. It's like, really, it was really great. And you don't get that that much. You really don't. Because women really have to support women. This is the thing. You have to support each other. Even if you don't like that person's work, or you might not like them because they're annoying, or whatever it is, you've got to support each other. Because we are again up against so much. And if people start to kind of like, you know, act like there's only space for one person, we're never gonna, we're never gonna get the equality that we deserve, you know? And I think that that's really important. We have to be a team, you know, regardless of what's, you know, and, and forget about background stuff, just be a team and work together. Bravo, well said, and that is a perfect note to end on. Um, I love that team spirit because that's what it's all about, collaboration and support. Um, and thank you both, Eve and Zainab, so much for joining us today. Um, and best of luck with everything and keep in touch. I'm sure you'll be back on the podcast soon. That was our panel on the film industry post-pandemic at the BFI's Woman with a Movie Camera Summit, powered by Jaguar. If you'd like to see Girls on Film live, then we're back. You can find us at the London Podcast Festival on 9th of September 2021. Check out their website and keep an eye on our socials for more details. You can find us on Twitter at girlsonfilm underscore pod and Instagram at girlsonfilm underscore podcast. Or check out our Facebook page. Girls on Film is an HLA production, brought to you by executive producer Heather Archbold, our producer for this episode, Heather Dempsey, audio producer and assistant producer Eliana J, and our partners for this episode, the BFI. I've been Anna Smith, and I was joined by Zaina Durra, Eve Gabbaro, Alison Gardner, Kyla Harris, and Claire Vaughan. Thank you, lovely listeners. Stay safe. is dying and the new world struggles to be born.